Hi everyone and welcome to the Panda Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. Hope you're all keeping well and taking care of yourselves. Um, you know, we're all under a bit of stress right now. It's a difficult time for all of us. Um, hope you're doing okay. And today I'm delighted to welcome um, a new guest, a new friend to the show, um, Sherry Smith. Shari does a lot of writing for Ezra Rising, which is an amazing website. Um, I've had Sierra um, Nicole on before as well, and she works. She's kind of the founder of that. So, um, welcome to the show, Shari. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, and I think and Shari's got you've got a really interesting story as well. Like, um, and some of it's quite relevant for what's happening in the world as now as well. I think so. That's, that's why it's a good. It's good to talk about it. Um, so, yeah, just tell us a bit of your story. Uh, yeah. So, just a little bit about me. Um, I was born and raised in a very theologically conservative family, and we were taught um, pretty much from the start to believe that we were living in the last days. Um, my parents really bought into a lot of, I think it was how Lindsay wrote a book in the 80s about um, the last days started with um, the creation of Israel as a nation by the UN. And um, since hmm. then, we were told to watch the news and see signs in the news every day, every time there was a war or an earthquake or some kind of, massive national tragedy we were taught to see that as evidence that we were living in the last times um and it took me a long time to kind of walk my way through that I think about 2010 I started to kind of open my eyes a little bit and realize this movement wasn't really pointing me to Jesus I saw a lot of um a lot of fear and a lot of legalism and a lot of um, pointing us towards men who we were assured had all of the answers, knew what was coming up, coming you know down the road, and could tell us when Jesus would be coming back. We weren't being pointed to Jesus; we were being pointed to these men. And I just realized this is not of God. There is no love in this. I can't be part of this anymore. Hmm. And I understand that. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, when you stand outside of those kind of things and you look at them, it always feels like, wow, how could I have been a part of that ever? I mean, like, Oh, it's so yeah. crazy when you look back on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that with my, my journey. When I look at the things I used to believe, the things I used to say, the language I used to use, places mm-hmm. I used to go and it's like what was I doing like how could I have ever believed that how could I have ever been part of something like that and not seen it you know because yeah. because it I mean I don't know it's just I don't know if it's your experience that when you come outside of it that's the only time you actually see what's going on when you're in the middle of it it's difficult to see oh for sure and you're you're kind of Particularly in in that situation, I was really inside of a bubble. I had a narrative being given to me about um, how Jesus worked, how God worked, how the universe was working. And I didn't really have a way to kind of 
jump outside of that bubble for a moment and get get some perspective. I had to leave it entirely to be able to realize, oh, I was being lied to this whole time. You know, this is this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and it's interesting you talk about you know the end times and things because um, of what's happening now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that will be very triggering for people who've got trauma based around that. I mean, how has it been for you in terms of what's happened? Uh, There's definitely been nights when, you know, I've had trouble falling asleep because I can, I can hear these voices from my past going, you know, this is what we were supposed to be watching for. Borders are shutting. Countries are under siege. Um, You know, this is this perfect opportunity for the Antichrist to come forward and heal the nations and unite the world. And I just have to kind of remind myself that, no, this is not what's happening. The world has been through pandemics before. And we will get through this one as well. Yeah. And it's interesting, actually. I think this is because we had a pandemic about 100 years ago, Spanish flu. Um, And that killed, I think, 100 million people. Yeah. Um, And... So we have been through this before, and we didn't have anything like the medical care that we have now. Um, right. We're in a much I, better position today than 100 years ago. Yeah. Um, and I was I was just thinking, like, also the fact we have 24-hour news, social media, I think that just heightens it a little bit because, you know, we're reading things all the time, we're seeing things all the time, we're... We're talking to each other all the time, and although I think like the internet is good in that we've been able to have more connection with each other, going through oh, yeah. what's going on, that um, that also I think it heightens the 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 kind of anxiety around it, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, all of my social media feeds are just exploding with updates hourly on. Uh, the COVID-19 situation and you really do need to be mindful of how much time you're spending online and reading this stuff because you know our brains were not wired to keep up with this kind of stuff um, yeah that's right yeah we won um, um, I mean tell us a bit about your own kind of deconstruction story I mean like I mean kind of how did that process work itself out for you? Uh, well, so the very first part of my theology that I began to deconstruct was the end times theology, and that's really where I went. Um, Jesus is not in this. I kept having this Bible verse pop into my head that there is no fear in love. Or, or, yeah, there is no fear in love. And everywhere I looked was fear and, you know, this requirement that we conform to some standard of righteousness in order to be saved. And I kept seeing this everywhere, and I realized this is not what Jesus has called us to, and I I needed to leave. Um, And I was able to kind of step away from the end time stuff for about five years and kind of uh, more or less just keep my mouth shut about my shifting views. I was able to find um, other evangelicals who weren't quite as focused on this stuff, so it was easier to just kind of 
quietly go my own way. Um, but about five years after that, I started to really question a lot more of my theology. Um, I started questioning gender roles and um, creation, uh, LGBTQ, everything. And I realized that a lot of my questions were really not welcome in my evangelical circles. And I quickly found myself without um, that support system. I was very much um, shunned by many of them. Um, and that was a very painful experience to have. I didn't realize it at the time how painful it was because I was in a kind of survival mode. But I'm looking back on that now and realizing, oh, oh my gosh, you know, that was devastating. I lost these people I considered to be my family. And that was definitely a trauma in and of itself. Yeah, and it's, it's a grieving, isn't it? It's a, mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, I, I, I guess I experienced this to a certain extent when I left. I'd been in the church that I was in for, crikey, about 11 years, you know. Mm-hmm. And I had whole networks of friends, I had a support structure, like, it was all there, and then it wasn't. Um, and although I've kept in touch with a few people from the church, and I've still got friends that I see, well, before this happened anyway, <laughs> um, because you can't see anyone right now, but yeah. but um, I still have friends that I'm in touch with from there. Like, most, like, 90% of people that I knew from there haven't, even tried to contact me you know um and i don't think that's necessarily because they're bad people i just think because when you fall out of community like that it just you still you, you don't you kind of close ranks almost naturally as human beings like yeah and sure. um although that said i do think there is in some circumstances i don't know whether this is true in yours or not but that where people do deliberately shun you and like mm-hmm. deliberately socially exclude you and t- take away that support and that's really hard and that's a i mean all of it's kind of a grieving but uh but that in particular is a real trauma it yeah. is because you know these are people that you really invested in and you felt like they were investing in you and suddenly that's just gone as revoked and that's devastating that's so painful um it really is. Yeah, I mean, how did you manage to process that grief, that kind of trauma? How did you, what steps did you take to kind of deal with that? I think for a long time I just kind of um, suppressed that feeling of grief. Um, hmm. I was just kind of trying to get through things. I was I was really lucky at the time in that I had found another group of friends these were a mix of Christians, um, atheists, agnostics, and they really took me in and they took care of me and they let me feel all the feelings and ask my questions and um, that's really what I needed at the time. Um, so I wasn't completely without a support system. I just, you know, I lost, I lost people that I cared about, but I at least had people there for me, which was helpful. Yeah, I think that's really important when it comes to grief, that mm-hmm. any kind of grief, um, that yeah. you have a support system in place who can who can love you and be there for you and listen to you and make space for you. And um, I mean, like, again, this comes back to right now. It's really strange. 
um, how that happens that you know we could all that they're all kind of carrying a lot of grief right now because we're a lot of because our whole way of life is has has changed it's gone you know we can't go into work like we used to we can't go to the shop that we used to go to to get coffee we can't um you know some people have lost their jobs some people have lost loved ones like everyone is grieving right now and and we have no control over the situation we don't know know when when it will end and this is this the uncertainty is part of the grieving process i think um yeah we want closure and we don't know when that closure is coming and that's really hard yeah that's a really good point that's a really good point that we you know, but we all want closure. Yeah, that we all want closure, and we're not getting that. And we don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah. Um. And and I think there are still people who are acting like we will be able to just go back to our lives as as they were, whenever yeah. this ends. There are people who are not thinking it's going to be that bad. Um. You know, and I think, without making any judgments on individuals, I think that I, I would, my guess would be that's a bit of denial, rather oh, than a lack of awareness. I think people know that things aren't going to go back to how they were, deep down. It's also part of the grieving process. Yeah, absolutely. All of these stages, and denial is very much part of it, and um, that's really rough, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it, it is. Grief is not easy. Um, you know, and as someone who's been through, who lost a parent and had the trauma of leaving the church, the grief of that and um, of almost losing everything, and like, you know, I've been through, I've carried a lot of grief, dealt with a lot of grief, and being highly sensitive and an empath and stuff, it, I really feel that. I, I really feel like that weight around and I can see it on social media I can see between the lines between what you know and it's I just wish I could do more you know (laughs) I think that's I'm not so worried about myself as to feeling like I can't do anything I know that I can't control these events but I can control how I help other people and I wish I could do more and I can't and you know it's and it's difficult and it's difficult for everyone because I think there's a lot of people that feel that way you know yeah you know we're all kind of stuck at home and feeling helpless and it's yeah it's it's a very unsettling feeling to have when you know that you can't do anything to contribute to the healing of others yeah yeah it definitely is um so i mean we keep kind of interchanging between your story and what's happening right now there's a lot of crossovers mm-hmm. um I mean, how did your relationship with God and Jesus and your spirituality change through your that process of kind of deconstruction and, and, and grieving what what you'd left behind? I feel like I have a better image of who God is now um, because I've had to kind of peel away the mask. Um, that my upbringing gave me of who God is. Um, I, w- I was taught to see God as this kind of a distant, angry father figure in the sky. Um, but after everything I've gone through, 
I can only envision God as this very warm, very present, heavenly parent. Um, somebody that sits with me when I cry. Someone who doesn't let me go through the hard stuff alone. Um, I find a lot more comfort, I think. Um, and a lot more freedom to worship how I need to worship. You know, I, I grew up in like... Um, very conservative Baptist church where like even raising your hands in the air that was just that was a little bit too conservative Um, so there's a lot of rigidity around how to worship God but I feel like I have more freedom now in how to approach God and and there's beauty in that I think yeah that's a beautiful thing that's a beautiful thing because it because when you deconstruct, sometimes your image of God can change and become quite negative because you can associate God with your suffering. You can associate, you can blame Him, you know. And that's something I wrestle with a lot. Is like, and I still wrestle with sometimes. Is is like, you know, God is like, where where were you where, when this happened? Where were you when my parents were fighting each other? Where were you when my mother died? You know, all of that. Um, you have all this power, you could have stopped it, you didn't, you know, and... It's very valid, I think, to... Yeah, it is. ...ask those questions. Yeah, and, I, and, and actually, the story of David is what gave me a bit of hope in that respect, because I see David literally wrestling with some of these questions, like, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's very... He actually kind of reassured me in that it actually it's a very, very human thing and a very... Like I think it's part of your spiritual growth to be able to do that, to be able to be honest with God and have an honest relationship with God and talk to Him about that and still love Him or yeah. her. Um, sometimes I call God her now, um, and you know still love God and but yet still have that honest discussion about those things. Yeah. Oh, I love reading through the Psalms where you see all of these very genuine emotions. You see so much anger and, and anguish and you see questions like I, I was it was very much implied to me that I could never question God because that would be questioning his existence and his goodness but David questioned those things you know he questioned if God was good and, and he was never punished for it um, he was called a man after God's own heart you know um, I think scripture is very very clear that we can ask these questions we can question god we can be angry at god we can be afraid it is okay these these are just emotions we don't have to be afraid of our own emotions that's right and the other thing that that gives me a lot of encouragement as well is jesus um jesus humanity jesus dealing with emotional physical trauma dealing with betrayal and abandonment dealing with uh, grief of losing a parent, um, losing a friend, you know, yeah. Lazarus. Um, Jesus goes through cried. all this stuff. Yeah, and he cries. That's it. It's so powerful that because Jesus is fully human, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I and one of the things that I always laugh at myself for believing once is that Jesus was somehow born with all the scriptures just in his head mm. you know and that he just knew and he was just perfect from the beginning and but i think i found the divinity of jesus in his in his full humanity i don't mm. see i mean the miracles and stuff don't they're amazing but they don't 
speak as much of his divinity as when he's en- when he enters into his full humanity. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a very beautiful way to, to put it, I think. The idea that we have a savior who knows what it is to be fully human and all of the emotions and the traumas that come along with living a human life. Like, you yeah, know what we're going through. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's just it's really helped me with my spiritual journey. That because I don't, if if I hadn't had that, I don't know whether I would been able, whether I would have been able to keep following Jesus. And you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd have had enough in me to to do that. And then a really great friend shared this shared it with me, and it was actually for a recording for this show. That, that happened that we talked about Jesus and emotional health and and it suddenly it changed everything and it was like it was really weird because I was getting emotional recording because it was just opening up for me um, um, but um, but anyway I mean so I mean do you kind of feel right now there's all this uncertainty around because you're kind of familiar with that is that is there a sense of kind of familiarity about about all of that right now um when I have my moments of anxiety that feels very familiar to me um Mm. just because I was raised to believe that you know I would see a time where I wouldn't be able to buy food or you know I would have to be on the run for my life like these are these are things I was taught as a child and that definitely teaches you how to feel anxiety um so i I definitely when i'm watching the news too much i'm taking in too much information i can feel that same anxiety coming back to me and wondering well what is tomorrow going to bring you know are they going to close down the grocery stores is the food going to go out of supply like these are things that can really drive me crazy (laughs) um and then i have to just kind of be mindful of my mental health in those moments and realize, okay, now I need to put my phone away. I need to stop checking the news. I, I, I need to go do some meditation and just relax my mind, relax my body, um, and just find ways to shut down those anxious thoughts that I can't do anything about. That's right, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel a real sense of, like... Yeah, this is very familiar. You know, mm. I've been journeying in uncertainty for four years, and I've become quite comfortable in uncertainty, mm. um, even preferring it sometimes. Um, and so, what's happening now is, you know, I'm not. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not stressed out about it as I probably would have been four years ago. Mm. Um, that's not to say it's not stressing me out and I'm not carrying a lot of stuff and I'm right. you know that because we all are and yeah. like I mean that's what I that's why I would want listeners to know is like whatever you're feeling whatever you're carrying that's okay it's normal you're human um mm-hmm. definitely um so I mean like, yeah so I mean tell us a bit about just changing track a bit what what about your writing and the kind of how that kind of opportunity kind of opened up and 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 how that's impacted your journey as well 
Uh, well, I started blogging in uh, 2017 just as a way to kind of process my own thoughts on deconstruction, um, which has been extremely helpful. I, I tend to process the best when I'm writing. Um, and I've been sharing that around in, in various Facebook groups. Um, Sierra White and I actually met through Facebook groups, and she had been following my blog. And um, she sent me a voice message about a year ago and asked me if I would consider being a staff writer for Asia Rising, um, which was really unexpected and a huge honor. Um, so I've been doing that since uh, this past fall. And it's really, it's been a really great journey, I think. It's really challenged me to kind of dig a little deeper into what I believe and why I believe it. And um, the kind of feedback I've been getting from people, I hear that I'm mirroring things that they've experienced as, as well. And that's a great encouragement for me to hear. Um, yeah. Yeah, writing tends to do that, doesn't it? It, it? it connects us to ourselves and it connects us to other people. Um, mm -hmm. It's a really great thing. Um, I mean, have you... I think I know the answer to this, but I mean, what have you... or ha what, have, have you what have you learned about yourself and your journey um, and who you are from just from that practice of writing? Um... That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I, I think it really helped me to kind of dig in a little bit more. Like, I've, I've always been trending towards more of an egalitarian mindset, and, and the more I write about it, the more I see the truth of it. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> no, I understand. Uh, I do, yeah. Yeah. Um, and even just trying to process my emotions, uh, especially since the outbreak has started, it's, it's been a, a real lifesaver for me. It's helped me discover emotions that I didn't realize I was carrying, um, like grief, for instance. Um, mm. so it's, it's been a very, very therapeutic process for me. That's great. And I, I, I've said it before on the show that how much I believe in writing as a therapeutic um, tool. Um, yeah, and I've been telling people, like, everyone, everywhere I go, I've been telling people, just, like, journal right now. This is, this is, you really need to do it. You don't have to be Shakespeare. Nobody ever has to read it. Just, just You don't even have to think about what you're writing. Just, you know, get the words out of your head. Mm, because it, it just helps. It can it can be like a weight that's that's lifted off you. I think, like literally, I mean, physically even. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about you, but since all of this has started, it, it, it felt like a giant weight has been sitting on me, and writing is absolutely one of the ways that I release that pressure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's the same, the same with me. It's a practice that I try and do, and that, that is... That, the periods where I've been most emotionally healthy are the times when I'm journaling regularly and yeah. it's not a coincidence um, uh, and it's cheap and it's easy to do for anyone um, and 
we've got a lot of time <laughs> i think also when you're doing that i think like if you're journaling your emotions it's important to have a support network as well to talk to about what you're writing about to so have at least one person you can confide in um be good to have an expert if you can find someone who's an expert to talk to um but um it begins with I think even before the the journaling begins, it begins with acknowledging that you have things that you need to process. I think when you do that, then you can make the decision to to, to journal it. And, um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, even, like, I've experienced this too, where I just start journaling and I didn't even realize I had things that I needed to process and it just comes out in my writing. Mm. Uh, Very, very powerful. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, what is? I mean, the, kind of the whole pandemic. How has that impacted your spiritual journey? Uh, definitely praying a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really interesting. Um, just in terms of how churches have had to shift during this time. Um, my church closed its doors pretty early on in the, the pandemic. So we've been doing online services all month. Um, right. I've really, really appreciated that they, they do that. Um, for me, it's kind of like an anchor every week. I know I have that time to kind of spend with, other believers, maybe not in person, but we're together in spirit, and we are all worshiping God at the same time. And there's just there's something very, very beautiful about that image. Um, like the church is not contained to a building. Um, hmm. So I've, I've found that very, very emotional. Um, I'm, I'm spending more time um, in meditative prayer. Specifically, um, I've started very recently using uh, prayer beads to kind of help me oh, wow. meditate on, on scripture a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's definitely sending me back to my spiritual roots. It's really interesting, isn't it, how that happens? Because I, I noticed that too, that I, I was speaking to my spiritual director yesterday and I was like, I, I said something, and I was like, I sensed that this is a that something is moving with the spirit, and I couldn't think of another phrase to, to 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 use, and it's not a phrase that I would have used recently, but I've sensed this for quite a while that there's there's this big shift in kind of spiritual consciousness and human consciousness going on, and now that it's becoming, and this is kind of this pandemic has kind of opened it up to mass human consciousness that we're becoming aware of of this that, that things are changing you know and that, that we won't be able to go back and that we will have to be different and that and that is a shift in in spiritual consciousness and human consciousness and i see people are about to go through a process that i went through for the last four or five years right. and so coming almost out of that or at, at a different point in that I can see, oh, right, okay, so things will get worse, things will be difficult, people will suffer, it will be painful, but there will be hope and life around the other side. 
Yeah, um, oh, absolutely. So I kind of felt that kind of sense of peace. And when I reminded myself of that, I felt a lot closer to God. And I felt a lot, I felt more in tune with, with God. And I felt more of a sense of hope and that, that you know, that he knew this was coming. Um, you know, the, 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 I mean, there's so many books coming out right now which feel like they were written for this time. Mm-hmm. You know, the, my, my podcast series on grief, like, I didn't know that this was going to happen. And it feels like this was made for this time. You know, it's it's really strange how a lot of that, has, I've noticed in a lot of that, um, a lot of... Oh, I, I, totally, I totally believe, you know, this is definitely a Holy Spirit thing. He's been directing people to be prepared for this because, you know, he knew that people would need this kind of support and... I love that. You know, I'm seeing the same thing. We were talking about this before we started recording, just how interesting the timing has been. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah, um, and that is not at all to kind of negate the real suffering and anxiety and fear and mm-hmm. pain that people are going to be are going through and will go through, because I think that's really important we acknowledge that. Um, and it's not to say that that is not valid, like. Um, but there's this phrase I think that this this too shall pass. Um, um, my spiritual director shared this quote from Julian of Norwich, and I can't remember. I can't remember it in full, but it was something about this too shall pass, and she wrote that quote in the midst of the the plague. Hmm. And she was, uh, yeah, which was even worse than what's going on right now and yeah. she was in the midst of that when it was at its worst and she was almost in isolation um she said this this too will pass like you know um something like that and it was and this, to, to be able to say that in the midst yeah. of that is like takes a lot of faith yeah for sure um, I can't I can't imagine um, last week I posted this poem on age arising um, the author's name is escaping me right now um, but the gist of it was this is a woman who lived through both world wars so she knew what it was like to see worldwide calamity and disaster and death and despair but this poem she wrote was so beautiful. It was all about just finding the hope in nature and seeing nature blossom and bloom and rebirth. You know, in the midst of so much death, there's still life and there's beauty. And I, I found a lot of hope reading that poem. Um, yeah, I saw a quote recently that, that was something about how um, that we all find like hope in the midst of the difficult times that, that um, and I can't remember the exact quote again but it was it was through that something about being through these painful difficult times we begin to find hope in new life like that you can't have growth and transformation without the difficult stuff. The, and that's part of the process. Yeah. Um, but the only way out is through, you know. I mean, that's a great quote. Um, 
and now we kind of have to go through. Um, yeah. I mean, my only kind of fear is that when people come out of this, they'll try to retreat back into certainty because one of the ways we deal with grief, the unhealthy ways, is going into certainty, whether that's religious certainty or it's um, or it's kind of giving up on our dreams and just going into kind of the stable job that, that, that at least is reliable and safe or it's an addiction or whatever, you know that's the danger of when we come out of grief that we just want to build another structure around it and not and act like it's not there but actually that can be that that's not healthy in in the long run and we don't let ourselves experience the transformation that we were supposed to experience um Mm. we just want to cocoon ourselves in something that feels safe and familiar and that can be I, I, I don't know if the word devastating is appropriate here, but I want to say devastating for the growth that we are supposed to go through. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. I think certainty can can kill our growth. You know, mm-hmm. some people don't want to grow. They want to just be safe. And it's a normal human instinct to want to be safe. I mean, yeah. let's, let's just be clear about that. Um, and it's important to have structure. I don't think, like, you can have structure without having certainty in your life mm-hmm. um, you can build structures into your life and routines and practices which give you like a structure to live your life but don't inhibit you taking risks and don't inhibit you from being able to move in and out of your pain and acknowledge it um, it's just building the right kind of structure I guess yeah. well and I think about like um, the process of deconstruction that you've experienced where it's painful. It is so painful to experience deconstruction. You don't know what's on the other end. You don't know if it's ever going to end. Um, but then you come out on the other side and you see the world in a completely new way. You've grown in ways you never could have. And it, it kind of makes me think of um, that verse in, I think it's Isaiah, where it talks about God taking beauty from ashes if you have to go through the dark to come come out the other side yeah and and a friend of mine um said once that darkness is where life begins mm. now if you think about just even from a physical perspective the womb is is dark yeah it's darkness in there but that is where life begins that's where people start that's where we start growing that's where we start mm-hmm. forming into who we are um and i think that's true like i mean he, he this friend of mine told me that we should stop seeing the darknesses as bad as he is, is just evil mm-hmm. um stop talking about the darkness as evil but just as a darkness as the sign of the beginning of growth um oh, you know that there's that because because after darkness always comes light anyway yeah ways mm. like day always follows night you know yeah. um there's that phrase isn't there the darkness the, the night is darkest just before the dawn so i love that phrase i don't know where that yeah. phrase came from but it, but it's a great one um, i think it's very appropriate for the world today yeah yeah and it's yeah we need I think we. I think the first thing we need to do right now is just acknowledge what we're experiencing and 
um, name it. I think yeah. that's that's step one. Um, I think hope will come <laughs> if we start. If we can do that, then we will start to experience hope at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't think it's like the time to be wildly optimistic about everything. But at the same time, you, there are you know, if you start to acknowledge what's going on, then you can start to go go into hope. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, what of all the things you've learned on your journey? What's what's the most important thing that you'd like to pass on to people, especially right now with everything that's that's happening? Um, I think the one thing I keep coming back to is no matter what's going on in the world, I know that I have a heavenly parent that I can go to for comfort. I can cry to her, him, whatever you want, whatever Mm. pronoun you want to use. Um, I can cry, I can vent, I can scream, and I will always be loved. I am never going to be alone. Um, And I think that's a very important truth that we really need to embrace right now. No matter what this outbreak brings, we are not going through it alone. Hmm. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for that, and thank you for coming on the show. Thank um, you for having me on. Um, you know, and um, yeah, maybe we'll have you back sometime as well. It'd be great. Um, That'd be great. Yeah. So thank you, Sherry Smith. And where can people find you and connect with you? Um, well, I'm I'm writing weekly for Asia Rising on Facebook. You can just search for the name and find us. Um, and I also have my website at SherryASmith, all one word, dot com. Great. And it's got all of my social media on there. Fantastic. Great. Um, and I highly recommend it. Sherry's fantastic. So thanks for being a great guest. And um, um, take care, everybody, and stay well. Mm-hmm.